Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. What does a name mean? In some cultures, a name means everything. It is chosen with the most intimate and intentional design. And if our own names and their meanings are important, don't you think God's name is? And His name is not just God. It describes who He is at the very core of His character. God has a name. There's power in a name, right? Like our names have meaning and there's meaning behind our names. There's a reason why parents agonize over the naming of their their children. I don't know if you know what your name means. Uh, I'm going to share what mine means here in a second. Uh, My full name is Jeffrey. I go by Jeff. Uh, If you're new with us or if you don't know who I am, by the way, now you do. Uh, My name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. I don't always share the meaning of my name when I introduce myself uh, in the service. That would be weird. I'm weird enough already. Don't need to add that to the top of the, of the list. Uh, but I do always try and welcome everyone. Thank you all for being here and say hello uh, to those of you joining us on video or online. Uh, so glad you're with us as well. If you are watching online right now, by the way, and you know the meaning of your name, I can't ask everybody in the room to share theirs, but you can share yours in the comment section. If you know what yours means, that would be awesome. As I said, my name is Jeffrey. Here's what my name means. It means pledge of peace. And the loud amen you might hear comes from my wife and my mom who would both agree that I am a pledge of peace. That would be a lie. That is not me. Uh, In fact, my mom probably wishes I would have lived out the meaning of my name a little more as a child. Mom, if you're watching, sorry about that. My wife did not know the meaning of her name. Her name is Sabrina, so I looked it up. This is really what her name means. It means from the Severn River area. I have no idea where that is. And honestly, I have, I have no desire to know why her parents named her for coming from that area, if you know what I'm saying. So I did some more research, found out that Sabrina can also mean this, legendary princess. I'm going with that one. Legendary princess is what I'm calling my wife from now on. Regardless of the true meaning of a name, names have power, right? Like there are some names when you hear them, you immediately think something about that person. A name, just a name, can conjure up in us all sorts of different emotions. I'll just give you some examples. Hitler, Lincoln, Bin Laden, Martin Luther King Jr., Trump, or because I want to be a pledge of peace, I'll play both sides, Biden, (laughs) Or maybe the one that brings up the worst emotions in all of us, Brady. Can I get a witness? I'm not letting that go, church. I'll keep coming back to it for the rest of my life. Or how about this one? God. There could be 300 people in the room. And it's amazing. If I, if I say that name, God, 
we would get 300 different response, different responses on, on who that is and what his name actually means, depending on where you were born, when you were born, who you were born to, we each have a different perspective of that name and that person, God, and the meaning of his name. And that's why today we're starting a brand new sermon series called God Has a Name. And you might say, duh, Pastor Jeff, you're not informing us of anything. His name is God. Thanks for enlightening us today. But, it, but it's not. It's not God, at least not fully and just to be clear, just to kind of set the stage, like this series is not designed to try and prove that God exists. We can't prove it. Um, we're not trying to prove that God exists. For us who believe here at Element Church, that, that's not even a question that he exists. We just believe it. And in fact, the Bible, the Bible doesn't even try to prove God exists. The Bible assumes that God exists. The very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 1, says this, in the beginning, what? God. It just assumes in the very first verse of the Bible that God exists. So, so this series is not designed to try and prove God exists. And, and if you're here, by the way, if you're watching or listening online and you don't believe in God, I'm just so happy that you are here. I don't know why you don't believe, and really the reason doesn't matter to me. I just hope and pray that through this sermon and really through this series that I would encourage you to keep on coming back to, I hope you'll get uh, just a better glimpse uh, of, of who this God is that we say we believe in. That we believe in a God who loves you unconditionally that he wants you to experience life to the fullest. That's what Jesus said. He came to give us from God life to the full. It's why it's a part of our vision here. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a, a lasting impact. All that to say, this series is not an attempt to prove that God exists, right, wrong, or indifferent, we're just gonna assume that he does. And since we're assuming that God exists, it is of utmost importance for us that we know what kind of God he is. What does his name mean about him? 20th century writer and theologian A.W. Tozer, many of you might be familiar with that name, he said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Why? Because what we think about God is most often how we will interact with God. So it's important for us to understand not just who he is, but what does his name mean about his his character, and that's where his name becomes so important. In fact, the big idea for today is this. The name of God is just as important as the existence of God. We believe God exists. I said that. We have our reasons why we believe God exists. We did a whole series uh, this last fall called Why I Struggle to Believe in God because sometimes it's really, really hard, and it is hard sometimes. But we walk through in that series the reasons why we believe in God. You might want to check that out. So we have reasons why. But his name is just as important as his, his existence. 
So here's the question we've got to answer then. What's so important about God's name? And the main scripture is Exodus 34, verses 5 through 8. Before we turn to that scripture, let's pause and just pray uh, for God to speak to our hearts today. Father in heaven, we're about to open your word and read about your name, your glorious, majestic, powerful name. And Lord, I pray that as we read about you revealing your name to Moses, that you'd reveal your name to us individually. And Lord, I know that every word I say without your anointing and authority on it are just sounds. So would you please fill in the gaps and may your anointing and authority be placed upon my words and may it change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't own a Bible, uh, we'd love to make sure you have one. All the verses will be on the screens, but you can get a Bible for free just by downloading a free one called YouVersion on any mobile device or ask for one if you're here in person out at guest services before you go. We'll get you a Bible. If you're turning to Exodus, it should be easy to find. It's the second book of the Bible. So you have Genesis and then Exodus, and it records the story of how God used a man named Moses to lead his people out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt and then starts leading them to the promised land. In chapter 34, God has already parted the Red Sea, given the Ten Commandments, and now he's, he's commanding the people to follow Moses into the promised land. Moses pleads with God to see his glorious presence. And God tells him, I, I can't show you all of my glory, only a portion of it. He says this, Exodus 33, verse 20, but you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. So God tells Moses to, to kind of hide in the cleft in a rock in the mountain he was on, and, and God would pass by Moses. And what happens next that we're about to read, some scholars would say, is the turning point in all of Scripture. Exodus 34, 5 through 7, that we're about to read, it is the most quoted Scripture in the Scriptures. Meaning the, that, that when God inspired the writers of the Scripture, the most quoted Scripture in Scripture is Exodus 34, 5 through 7. It's quoted more than 27 times in the Old Testament alone. The Hebrew people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, they anchored themselves onto this character of God described in his name. Pastor John Mark Comer in his book, God Has a Name, which we have some copies available out in the Element Store. You can also buy it on Amazon, God Has a Name. I highly recommend it. About a year ago, I read that book and was so moved by it, I knew we had to do a sermon series uh, based on this passage of Scripture just using the same name as the book, God Has a Name. So Pastor John Mark Homer in that book said this, this moment of revelation on Mount Sinai that we're about to read, where we learn God's name, it's the moment in the Hebrew Bible. The rest of what we call the Old Testament is just story after story of this God in action. That's why I say that the name of God is just as important as the existence of God. So Moses stands in the cleft in the rock. And we're going to read the entire encounter that he had with God, and then we're going to break it down. Chicka, chicka, break it down. <laughs> Haven't done that in a while. 
Probably shouldn't do that ever again. I so want to be a rapper, by the way, but I'm not nearly cool enough or smooth enough to be one as you just witnessed, and I will totally embarrass my children today, which is always awesome. Over the next three Sundays, then, we are going to look in detail at each characteristic of God's name that we see in this passage. Exodus 34, starting in verse 5, says this. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord. And I want to leave that up there for a second and do a quick little Bible study for you. If you didn't know this, it's information. If you did, it's just re-education. Every time in the English language that we see the word Lord capitalized, if you're following along in your own Bible, it should be in all caps there, by the way. So we have Lord a couple of times, all capitalized. In English, what it's telling us is that in the original Hebrew language that the Old Testament was written in, what's actually there in the Hebrew is the name Yahweh. We just translate it to the Lord, all caps, in English. And so you can see there at the very bottom, the last thing, calling out Yahweh the Lord, could literally God be saying, he was calling out his name Yahweh, Yahweh, saying it twice to indicate there is importance to what I'm about to tell you about my name. And we'll come back to that in a second. Continuing on, he now describes his character. This is who God is. The God of compassion and mercy. Are you thankful for that? I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Upon hearing this, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. Isn't that awesome? The name of God is just as important as the existence of God. So what's so important about God's name? The first thing I want us to see is this. Number one, it deserves reverence. The name of God deserves reverence. As we saw there in the passage, God's name is not God. It's actually Yahweh, kind of. I'm driving some of you crazy with this trying to get to his name thing. We actually, the reason I say kind of is, we actually don't really know if that's how you say his name. Because Jewish people wouldn't say it. It was not passed down from generation to generation on how to say it. Therefore, we don't really know how to say it. There was so much reverence. For God's name, they never said it out loud. They wouldn't even write it down. Many of them, especially Orthodox, traditional Jews, they still don't say it, and they still won't write God's name. In English, they will do this, uh, G-D or L-R-D. They will not spell out the full name of God even in, in English. Also, one of the reasons we don't really know how to say God's name is when you translate it into actual English letters, it looks like this from the Hebrew, Y-H-W-H. And pronounce that. Sounds like you're hacking a loogie. 
Like there, there's no vowels when you translate it. And so we just added some values and came up with the name Yahweh. But we really don't know if that's how you, you say it. And the literal meaning of Yahweh is this. He is. He is who he is. Does that sound familiar to anybody? In Exodus chapter 3, when God tells Moses to go back to Pharaoh and command Pharaoh to let God's people go, Moses said, well, who shall I say sent me? Moses asked God, what is your name? And God, for the very first time, reveals his name, but not the meaning that we already read, just his name. Exodus 3, 14 through 15, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. And I'm going to butcher this because uh, I don't know if it's right, but in the Hebrew, it's this word, ehya, just means I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am, ehya, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, or he is, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So ehya, I am, Yahweh, he is. They both come, by the way, from the same root word in Hebrew. The difference is when God says his name about himself, it's Echya, I am. When we say God's name about him, it's Yahweh, he is. Echya, I am. Yahweh, he is. They are the same word. He just is who he is. Yahweh. And the Jewish people, revered God's name so much, they wouldn't even say it out loud or write it. And many of them still don't. So, it makes me wonder if maybe we use God's name a little too flippantly these days. I wonder if God's name shouldn't denote a little more reverence among us as his people. I think his name deserves that. And, and I'm not saying that we should go as far as refusing to say it out loud or, or not writing it down, but friends, it amazes me how loosely, even as believers, we use God's name. We, we get annoyed with someone or surprised or frustrated by something, and we just say, oh my God. Or worse yet, we get angry, and we say what I will not even repeat out loud, so I'll give you the initials, G-D. I think his name deserves more reverence than that. I think he deserves more respect. And I know there's plenty of people who will disagree with me on this and maybe not even like this. But every time we flippantly say, oh my God, I believe we are taking the Lord's name in vain, which is a violation of one of the 10 commandments, by the way. And I'm not talking about using his name in prayer or in seriously seeking him or calling on, on him for help. I'm talking about using it in our slang. It brings God's name down to the level of a curse word. Is that really how we want to treat the name of our God? 
on the same level as just a slang word? This is actually one of the reasons they killed Jesus because they believed he was misusing God's name by using it for himself. Jesus used the name I am to refer to himself. In John chapter eight, Jesus was speaking to his fellow Jews. And remember, Jesus was a Jewish Israelite. We tend to forget that in our our Western cultural thinking. Like he did not have blonde hair and blue eyes and speak with a British accent like some movies love to portray. Like he was a Jewish Israelite. So Middle Eastern in look and color. He would have fully understood all of the do's and don'ts of the Jewish faith, things like using God's name for yourself, which was blasphemy and is blasphemy unless you're God, which Jesus is. John chapter 8, 56 through 59, speaking to his fellow Jews, Jesus said this, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, what's it say? I am. Uses the name of God for himself. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Then on the night that he was betrayed and arrested, eventually killed in the Garden of Gethsemane, which by the way, I'm leading a trip to Israel uh, in March of next year, March of 2022, and we will stand in the garden where this happened. It will blow your mind. I'd love for you to go if you can. There's still information and brochures out of the Next Steps wall or go to my website, jeffmagnus.com. All of it is there. You're, it, it, it blows you away to stand in places where these things happen and in the garden, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, look what happens now. John 18, four through six. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. And this is how he responds. I am, in all caps, I am he, Jesus said. In the Greek language that the New Testament was written in, the word he is not there. It just says I am. Am. He declares his name, God, to these soldiers. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. And there is power in the name of our God. It's just as important as the existence of God. Why? Because it deserves reverence. The Jewish people whom God gave his name to, they wouldn't even say it out loud or write it. When Jesus used it about himself, they tried to kill him. When he spoke it to the soldiers coming to arrest him, they fell backwards down on the ground. So maybe, maybe we could have a little more reverence and respect for the name of our great God. It deserves respect. The second reason God's name is so important is this. It demonstrates relationship. The name of God demonstrates relationship. This is what we're going to dig into over the next three weeks as we look at the characteristics of God described in his name. 
We read it earlier. God passes in front of Moses, calls out his name, Yahweh, Yahweh. He then describes himself for the first time in Scripture, as far as I'm aware. He describes his name, that he is merciful and compassionate. He's patient and loving and faithful. He forgives sin, praise God. But he also punishes those who are guilty of sin and refuse his forgiveness. 27 times in the Old Testament alone, these verses are quoted about God. They describe who our God is at the very core of his being. And every one of those descriptions of God demonstrate relationship. Here's what I mean. You cannot show compassion and mercy without some form of relationship. There's no need to be patient or loving or faithful outside of relationship. You can't forgive someone unless they've done something against you, meaning you've been in some kind of relationship with that person. Even in God's judgment, his punishment, even in God's punishment, it, it denotes that there's a relationship there that he has the authority to punish. Like the whole name of God is screaming to humanity the reality that God's desire is to be in relationship with us. And the ultimate portrayal of, uh, of, of that relationship was sending Jesus to us who reveals to us in the flesh who our God is. God in the flesh that God puts skin on is what I always say. John 1 verse 18 says this about Jesus. No one has ever seen God, at least not face to face or you'll die. But the unique one, Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Then in John 17, again, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, arrested, eventually killed for our sins, John 17 records a prayer between he and, and the Father. In John 17, 26, he said this, I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. And I want to leave that up there for a second. That phrase, I have revealed you to them, in the Greek language can be literally translated, I have revealed to them your name. Some English translations, depending on what you're reading from, actually words it that way. That Jesus said, I've revealed to them what Yahweh is. Merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty, those who reject my forgiveness. Jesus reveals Yahweh to us, that in Christ we see all the fullness of who our God is. The name of God is just as important as the existence of God. So what's so important about God's name? It deserves reverence. It demonstrates relationship. That God wants to be in relationship with us. The creator of the universe wants to be in relationship with you and me so much that he put on skin, modeled a life for us, died in our place on the cross and rose from the dead. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. 
That in his name he even says, I want to be in relationship with you. And then the last thing I see here is this. The importance of God's name is this. It demands a response. The name of God demands a response. God reveals himself to Moses. Moses hears his name. He hears the description of who this God is that's leading them to the promised land. He gets a glimpse, it's a small taste of the glory and presence of God. And what was Moses' response? I just go back to life as normal, right? Just go about my daily business, just take his name in vain, no big deal. No. Moses hears the name of God. He hears the description of this majestic God leading them to the promised land. He catches a glimpse of the glory of God and verse eight of Exodus 34 tells us, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. That the name of God, when we truly begin to understand it and catch a small glimpse of the glory of God, it demands a response from us. And I believe the only appropriate response to the name of our God is worship. It's worship. Moses threw himself to the ground and worshiped. There's a reason why we oftentimes lift our hands in worship. The lifting of hands is a sign of surrender. That if God, if that is who you are, I surrender. And I praise you for all of the things that you are. Church, we lift our hands for so many trivial things in life. We lift our hands for our kids who walk the first time. <laughs> we lift our hands at football games and basketball games and concerts. We lift our hands when, we, when people win the lottery or receive money they weren't expecting. <sighs> Why won't we lift our hands to God? Out of all the things in life that deserve it, it's you, God. It's you. It demands a response. This is why we decided to do worship at the end of our service today. I believe it's the only appropriate response to who our God is. I'm going to ask the band to come out. And as they do, I want you to prepare your hearts for worship. Just bow your heads and close your eyes if you want to. I felt led to say this in the first service. I'm going to say it again. I'm praying. I believe there's so much power in the lifting of hands in worship. I'm praying that someone in this service who has never lifted a hand in praise to God would do it today. And that you'd receive a glimpse of the majestic, glorious, amazing, powerful name of God. Father, what we're about to do doesn't even come close to what you deserve, but it's all we have. All we have is our voices and our bodies 
to express ourselves to you. And so I pray that even in these, this act of worship and singing, whether we lift hands or not, doesn't you can worship without lifting hands, Lord. I, I understand that. However we respond, all I know is this, your name deserves reverence. It demonstrates the fact that you desire to be in relationship with us and it demands a response. And one of the responses to your name is worship. And so we come to you in worship, Father. Yahweh, merciful and compassionate, patient and loving and faithful, forgiving God. We come to you in worship. Even as we're about to sing, those songs we're singing, I'm gonna run to the Father, fall into his grace. We're gonna sing about your authority and your power in your name. So Lord, as we sing to you, first of all, may you be glorified, magnified, and lifted up. But second of all, Lord, I know you probably won't do it the same way you did for Moses, but would you just give us a glimpse of who you are as we respond to you in worship? We love you. Give you praise. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. What a powerful name it is. It deserves reverence. It demonstrates relationship. And it demands a response. One of the responses the name of God demands is an answer to the question, do you believe? Do you believe? Have you put your faith in Jesus, the revealer of Yahweh to humanity? You have to answer that question. And God won't make you believe. In his love for us, he extends to us free will to believe and follow him or to not. And the choice is yours. And I think there's some people who should make that choice today because Jesus, the revealer of Yahweh, came to us in the flesh. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died the death that we deserved being nailed to a cross for our sins. He died, was placed in a tomb. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And just in case you're wondering, he's not just alive on Easter day, he's alive every day. He's alive today. And he says, by faith in me, I'll not only forgive you of your sins, but I'll live in you. I'll give you new life. I'll empower you to follow me. And then one day, by faith in Jesus, we will spend eternity with Yahweh, the God of compassion and mercy, patient, loving, and faithful, forgiving God. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, whether you're here in the service or somebody who's joining us on video somewhere, you can do that right now by just saying this prayer that I'm about to pray. Just say it in your heart silently to God. This prayer does not save you. Jesus saves you. Your prayer expresses your faith in him. Father in heaven, I believe. I believe in Jesus, that Jesus, you are God, you're Yahweh. You came as a man. You died in my place. You rose again 
So I put my faith in you. Please forgive me of all my sins. You said you're a forgiving God and I'm leaning on that. Forgive me of all I've done. Wash me clean, make me new. I repent, I'm gonna turn from my old selfish, sinful way of living and by your power I'll follow you in a new way. I, I receive from you forgiveness and salvation. Please live in me. Thank you for loving me. I'm gonna do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, it's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest one you'll ever live out. And we wanna help you live it out. So we created a devotional for you called 21 that will get you taking your next steps in Jesus. It's totally free. And the easiest way to receive that is by letting us know that you put your faith in Jesus. You can do that by texting the word E-LIFE. That's element, E for element, E-LIFE to 94000. If you wanna take a picture of the screen and save it to do it later, that's fine. Uh, but just text E-LIFE to 94000, or if you're watching on the church online platform, click the button that says, I commit my life to Jesus. We're gonna send you a link is all we're gonna do. We're gonna welcome you, celebrate with you, and then send you a link. If you click that link, you'll be able to download the devotional that we wrote for you. And also, on that, from that link, you can sign up for baptism. Baptism is the next step in scripture for people who put their faith in Jesus. It's just going public with your faith in Christ. Jesus uh, was even baptized as a model for us. We baptize on the third Sunday of every month now. And so it's next Sunday we're doing baptism. We'll do it again on the third Sunday of May and then again in June and so on and so forth. And you can sign up now. I think the next six months dates are on there. Uh, but you receive that by, by texting us uh, that word ELIFE to 94000. If you need prayer for anything uh, and you're here in person, stop by the purple tent all the way in the back. And we have an amazing prayer team that will pray for whatever need you have. If you're watching online, click the prayer button. We'll pray for you there as well. I hope today was encouraging for you, maybe a little challenging, convicting, uh, but I hope. I, I'm just praying. As we walk through this series, my prayer just is for all of us that we would just get a fresh glimpse at the glory of our God, Yahweh. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.